feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. On today's episode, I'm going to provide you another angle for manifestation because as we talked about last time, I'm super into that, although I do think there are some pitfalls with what's um, normally perceived as manifestation. Just from my own experience of kind of learning about it, I remember being left feeling like a little bit gaslighted, gaslit of like, oh, you're just not vibrating on the right frequency. And I don't think that's true. I think that's gaslighting, victim blaming, um, telling people that they're just, there's something wrong with them and that's why they're not manifesting their dreams. So we talked about that a lot last time about some common pitfalls with manifesting and what I truly think is the way to go with it. So today I'm going to hone in on specifically support networks and how they help manifest your dreams and how um, I think when we say speak it into existence, especially when you're speaking that like to your loved ones, to your friends or family, um, to the people in your community, how that kind of like holds you accountable. And, um, then sometimes you might even find that when you speak your dreams to, to people that love you, um, they might help you in unexpected ways if you had than if you had never told anyone about this like big crazy dream you have. So I have lots of examples of that today. Um, we're gonna start. So I just want to start talking about like how interconnected everything is. So in in yoga we talk about how we all have this divine spark within us. You know, it's less about like connecting with the divine. It's more about finding it within yourself and this notion that we're all um, we're all just interconnected. So that's the idea behind the Buddhist loving kindness meditation. I'm, you may have practiced it sometimes in yoga class, like may I be happy, joyful, and free. And then you repeat those affirmations for a loved one. Um, and then you end with may all beings be happy, joyful, and free. And then in yoga, we have this concept of ahimsa, of nonviolence to yourself and all other living things because we're all connected. Violence towards any other living thing is violence towards yourself and violence towards yourself is is violence towards all of us, right? And by violence, I don't necessarily just mean like physical, like beating somebody up. I mean like being mean or um, just generally unkind. So there's this notion that everything's interconnected. And I think that can seem a little bit... Um, lofty, a little bit cerebral, you know, but when you think about it, it's true. We're all connected in ways that we like cannot even fathom or don't fathom in most circumstances. So my example for you of that is it was in the news kind of recently. Y'all probably remember, but well, I mean, it's this whole past year with COVID stuff, the supply chain has just been wrecked. Like if y'all know anything about like building right now, the lumber prices, maybe I'm just super plugged into that world because it's what my partner does, but um, does for a living. But 
and we're trying to buy a house right now and it's just like lumber prices are insane. And and that's that has to do with with supply chain. And so the reason I bring this up is because do y'all remember when that boat got stuck in the canal, that big giant boat and it got like sideways in the canal and it was there for like a few days. And just that few days of that one boat being like off track and blocking just some trade route like on the other side of the world from where I am in the U.S., it messed up the supply chain even more. And so we're used to this like, oh, I'll just go on Amazon or whatever, just go to the store and get whatever I need whenever I need it. And um, and then recently in the, in the southeast where I live, we had a gas shortage. So it's just all this stuff like we don't – when you look at it that way, it's like, wow, we really do rely on other humans more than we – sometimes realize, you know, so like when the supply chain somewhere on the other side of the world has a little uh, kind of tick in it, a little glitch, and then it messes up, you know, our grocery shopping or whatever, um, it just really illuminates for me how interconnected we are, not just with our local community, but with the entire world. And I mean, so I'm recording this podcast on some like fancy technology you know, my laptop and this microphone that, you know, I bought on the internet. Um, my laptop, I think, came from China. It's a, it's a MacBook. They, they come from China. Most things come from China. Um, in the U.S., at least, like, that's like, my brother's an engineer, and he talks about all the time how, like, he has to send his designs to China. That's just the way it is, you know? Like, no matter what you think about that, politically, it's just, we rely on people around the world for stuff that we use every day. Um, And so like my partner and I are working on kind of moving towards the homesteading life and that would make us a lot more self-sufficient, I suppose. Like I'm planning to grow a lot of our own food and um, be able to do a lot of the stuff that we need from our house, which comes with a great simplification. But, I, you know, we're past the point of giving up using the internet and being connected with the rest of the world. So that's all just a bunch of rambling to say, like, we are connected in huge ways. We're connected with everybody around the world all the time in a very real way, but then also in a kind of spiritual way. So when you put it that way, it's like, oh, yeah, it makes it easier to see how um, we all have to work together. We should, like, be good humans to each other because we depend on each other, you know, Maybe the you were rude to the cashier, or the cashier was rude to you, but like you wouldn't be able to purchase what you need without that person. That person wouldn't be able to have a job to go purchase what they need without you coming in and buying it, right? It's just we're all interconnected all the time, right? And so then that also brings um, kind of back what I was bringing up last time about the like how white privilege can kind of among other things, right? That's just my example, um, can kind of interfere with manifesting. And that's why I was saying like the whole, you're not vibrating on the right frequency thing can be a little bit of an oversimplification because sometimes there's these like societal, uh, barriers for people that it's like, they can want something with all their might and even be working their tail off every day to try and make that thing happen. And it's just like, they can't get ahead because they don't have, 
generational wealth, maybe. So that's something I have to acknowledge in my own life that, like, my family helps me out a lot. And people that don't have that um, are not going to be, they're not going to manifest things as as easily, right? I, I think it's still possible, but it's it's just not as easy. And so to tell somebody that they can, if they start vibrating on the right frequency that they'll have whatever they're trying to get sooner, nah, that's not how it works, right? Um, so then another thing is, this notion of it takes a village, right? We've, maybe you've heard that with raising kids, like it takes a village to raise a child. But I want to point out, so in Vedic astrology, the fifth house uh, is it's representative of your children and your creativity, like your big creative, your sense of creativity, and then your like big creative pursuits, like perhaps writing a book or having children, could both be seen in this house. And it's interesting to me to think of it that way because um, if you think about it, writing a book or doing a big creative work like that, a big, you know, project, like writing a book. You can think of writing a book like that's a big project. It's going to take a lot out of you um, and take a long time, kind of like birthing a child. Both of them are, and so then birthing a child in Vedic astrology is seen as like the highest expression of creativity. And I can tell you as a person that has given birth, it does, like creating a human with your own body takes a lot of um, prana. It takes a lot of, you know, life force energy. It takes your vitality to, you know, and, and I say that, and those are like, kind of woo-woo yoga words, but really it's true if you're you're having to like get extra nutrients and extra sleep because your body is doing all this work. And if you don't replenish it with, you know, prana, life force energy, like nutrients and sleep and good breath, you're, you know, you're not supposed to do any kind of exercise that makes you hold your breath while you're pregnant because you need that breath to nourish your child. Um, if you're not replenishing, you're just going to be depleted because your body's having to do extra, right? So, and it, it is a, this is why this stuff is also uh, represented together in the sacral chakra, the second chakra, your sexual energy and your creative energy. They're super interlinked. So when I say it takes a village, I mean, it takes a village not only to raise a child, but you also, if you want to like, birth some big project in your life or manifest some big dream, you're going to need a support network. Okay. So this is why I think that speaking stuff into existence really works because I've seen it in my own life. Like for example, when I decided to start this podcast, if I hadn't told anybody about it, I probably would have quit doing it when it got hard because it did get hard and it's been hard several times you know, it's been a bumpy start. I've been doing it for about six months now, six or eight months now. Um, the idea first came in like September or October of last year. And I finally started really working on it in October. It didn't launch till December. And it took me until about a month ago to really find my rhythm. And now there were things, you know, things kept happening. Like my kid was out of daycare for a month and that, you know, whatever, things kept happening. But if I hadn't told people about it, 
I would have just been like, well, there's no space in my life for that. So I'm just going to continue humming along and just not do that ever, probably. Because let me tell you, there's no such thing as the right timing. There's good timing, but things will never be perfect. So if, you know, to like do what anything, any new pursuit that you want to do, that's kind of what I was talking about last time. You have to re- release attachments to the way things are now if you want to make some big change, right? So I had to release some attachments, pare down on my schedule to be able to make time to start doing this podcast, right? And it really helped me that I had people that I could bounce ideas off of, be like, does this sound stupid? Can you listen? Uh, you know, for the first several episodes, I think it was probably just my friends and family listening. So, um, yeah, so it just, it helps. It helps to have people to hold you accountable, to ask you how it's going, to um, be your sounding board for ideas, right? Um, and then also, in my experience, when I tell people about what I'm trying to do, people support me in ways that that I wasn't expecting a lot of the time. Um, and so I say that, like, I have a super good network around me, but it wasn't always this way. Um, I mean, so I am in recovery. I did spend a period of time of my life where I was, like, on drugs and everybody that was, like, these kind of good people that you want to surround yourself with in my life, they were like, you know, screw you. Like, we don't want to talk to you anymore because I hurt them. Right. Like I did all this behavior that was, that was awful and hurt them. And so they were like, well, we're not going to have that. They have boundaries with me. Right. And so that's another kind of piece of the puzzle that I want to talk about is how to create that good support network and a big piece of that. Okay. So it takes time. It's been five years for me, been through a lot of stuff. I had this like high school best friend who she didn't use with me ever, but I will say that like looking back on it, our relationship was super codependent. She was like one of the only people that, um, never acknowledged my poor behavior, um, and kind of stuck around, which at the time I super appreciated because when you're doing shitty stuff, you like appreciate people that don't acknowledge the shitty stuff because you're not acknowledging it to yourself. Right. Um, and so I'm not saying all of you guys are like doing using behaviors or anything, or that this is relevant. I'm just saying this is how, this is my story of how I've built a good support network from having only people that enabled my using behavior. And it took you know, three or four or five, you know, it's been five years now. And now I don't know when exactly to say that it, how long it took, but now five years later, I have people that I can lean on in all sorts of aspects. I have an amazing partner. My family's back in my corner, you know, all this stuff. Um, I actually have like a bunch of friends. And I think part of that is I kind of let go of that unhealthy friendship. And if for whatever reason she listens to that, I hope she knows, listens to this. If she knows that I still have like mad love for her, but we had a falling out that was irreconcilable. From my point of view, it was like I could no longer, I reached a point where even though I really cherished this friendship because I had had it for a long time, she had been my best friend for like 10 plus years. um, Her behavior became unacceptable for me in my period of growth. I was like, okay, 
I guess this has been our pattern because we spent years being like, you know, shitty teenagers together, which was like cool because we were teenagers. So our behavior was acceptable then in high school. And then, you know, after high school, my behavior became unacceptable, but I liked having our friendship because she didn't call me out or cut me off in the same ways that a lot of other people did. Um, but then once I reached a point, I'd been clean for probably two or three years, I realized that her behavior was not the kind of stuff that I wanted to carry forward in my life as a, as a recovering adult. And so that was super hard. And I remember going through a period of time where like, um, like I did something, I like flaked on somebody one time, like shortly after that. And she got upset with me and I was just like easily set off because I had just gone through this kind of what I call a friend breakup uh, with my best friend of 10 plus years. And, but what that did, it was lonely for a little while, but what that did was set me up with this space in my life to nourish friendships with people that really care about me and are being the kind of people that I want to be like, you know? So then just being around that helps me do better. So that's, that's my point with this episode is that when you're, so there's this quote that's like, you're, you're the combination of the five people you spend the most time with. And I really think that's true. So you have to look at, it's a little different though, because if you think about it, um, a lot of my friends and loved ones don't actually live near me. I actually, even my friends in Asheville, I live about 25, 30 minutes outside of town. So I don't spend a whole lot of time with anybody except my partner and my kid, you know, just in terms of like on a day-to-day basis. I'm pretty much like I'm working from home by myself right now. And that's pretty much my day-to-day except for when I lead hikes and teach classes. And, you know, I have some regulars in my yoga classes that I love, but that's, you know, a couple hours a week. And then on my hikes, it's like different people every time. Um, But so like I spend a good portion of my time with my partner and my kid. But then other than that, it's like my family that lives four hours away. They're the ones that I spend a lot of time with on the weekend. So you can also look at it like, you know, who are you quote unquote spending your time with? If you like, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm spending time with my favorite podcast hosts, right? I spend a decent amount of time listening to them talk. And I love to stay plugged in with ones who are inspirational to me in some way. I'm like, I want to be like them. Right. Um, so, so that's one way to look at it. Or who is your social media feed filled with, right? Are you following a bunch of people that make you feel jealous and insecure? Or are you following people that motivate you? Right. Um, or people that are you following people that kind of rile you up in some way? Uh, or people that kind of bring you peace and make you feel good, right? So that's another way to look at it. Like, what what are your inputs? This is a very Ayurvedic thing. Ayurveda is like you're always digesting, not just... So Ayurveda can be seen kind of as the nutritional science related to yoga. There's a lot of like, you can take herbs, you eat for your type and the time of year, right? Which is all very healthy stuff. But then another factor is what are you digesting with your senses all the time. Are you, you know, and I'm not saying like never watch crap TV, 
because sometimes that can feel like a great way to unwind or um, watch your like guilty pleasure, whatever social media stuff. But just just think about a little bit how stuff is affecting you. If watching craft TV makes you laugh and helps you unwind, then great, do it. it. But if it leaves you feeling crappier afterwards, either about yourself or about the world or whatever, maybe just look at that and like, don't do it as much. You know, that's all I'm trying to say. Um, so then another thing is to, to have a friend, you have to be a friend. And that's my that was kind of my point with the the old best friend story is like um after that happened I was left kind of I felt really lonely because I was like I just lost my best friend and she was the one I would I would come to with everything you know we would spend several hours a week on the phone with each other um I could tell her anything it you know it was really nice for that and um I never felt judged so that was great but then afterwards I was like it left this huge hole in my life of this like one friend. It was really a lot like a breakup, right? Um, and so I realized I was like, okay, now who do I go to with my stuff? You know, because it can't be it can't be my partner for everything. I go to I actually do go to him with a lot of stuff, but sometimes it's like maybe you just need like an outside perspective. There's more support than just one person can or should have to provide, right? And so then there's my mom for that. And there's, um, you know, my other family members I have. Um, But sometimes you just need like peers. And so then that comes in like, who are the people that you want to be like? Who are the people that you want to surround yourself with? And then if you want, you know, to to cultivate, close friendships with those people, you know, maybe it's somebody you met in a yoga class or, you know, somebody you met on a hike or whatever. You have to nurture it. So if you want that person to become your friend, you have to be a friend to that person. I see this all the time. People are like, oh, I'm cutting off everybody who doesn't check on me or whatever. And I'm like, did you check on them? You know, as adults, this is something I also had to learn that once you kind of get past your mid-20s, pushing your late-20s, whatever, really into like settled into adulthood I think friendship changes it's uh, and maybe it doesn't maybe this is because I live out in the country and I can't just like pop over to my friend's house in in, like two seconds it takes like a significant amount of planning because for me anywhere it's going to involve like an hour of driving so maybe that's a piece in this you know but it's just schedule. But I hear this all the time. Schedules get busier, you know, especially when you have kids. It's like everything takes more monumental planning than it did when you were a teenager or whatever, or, you know, in college when your friends were like just across the hall in the dorm or whatever, you know, um, it it takes nurturing. It takes like intentional reaching out to that person, listening when they need an ear, you know, don't be the friend that just always wants to talk about yourself, right? You have to ask that person about what they have going on and stuff. Um, so you have to you have to intentionally cultivate your network. And I say this carefully because I think a lot of 
we have this culture nowadays that I see a lot of time that's like, if it's not serving you, let it go. And I think there's some, some part of me is like, mm, don't be too let go happy of people. I don't think people are disposable. Um, I think sometimes people are not going to serve you. I think sometimes it's your turn to serve them, right? I think that's a really selfish way taken at its core, just that if it's, if a relationship's not serving you to let it go, I think, I don't think relationships are meant to serve you all the time. I think sometimes you have to serve that relationship back is what I'm saying. To be a friend, to have a friend, you have to be a friend. And that same thing with your partners. Sometimes it's not always 50-50. Sometimes it's um, 80-20 or 60-40 and one partner has to kind of pick up slack for the other. And hopefully over time it evens out. You know, we, I was actually talking about this this weekend with a friend. Like, we had both always been in relationships with takers. And now, this is the first time for me at least, that my partner is, like, totally a giver. And so that's what I think it is. It's like, does, does your friend or your partner or whatever, do they give to you when you need it? You know, and then sometimes you're going to have to give to them or be inconvenienced by them um, when they need it, right? And that's the nature of being a part of a community is it's not always just how that those people can serve you. Sometimes you have to serve right back, right? If you want to continue to be a part of that community. So this is all to talk about um, how important friendships and loved ones are. But then also it's like you find community. This has been a huge piece for me that um, like in recovery, they always tell you that you need a community and that's why everybody's into the like AA and NA thing because that's what it is. It's a community that provides like spirituality and accountability and um, self-inquiry. And that's what I've found in yoga personally. And I don't think you just, I mean, I imagine if you're listening to this that you find that as well in yoga, but um, maybe you're into astrology and you have an astrology community. Um and then also, so if you're looking for a yoga or astrology community, I did recently start a Facebook group called Yoga and Astrology. It's like yoga plus astrology. Um, you can go to my Facebook page, Yogi Scopes, and look under the groups tab to find it. Or I think I have a link to it in my Instagram link tree thing. I'm pretty sure I put it on there. Um, and it's just, I, it's, it's new, but we have a decent amount of members, and that's what I'm trying to do is cultivate community around some like-minded individuals, some people that are interested in yoga and astrology. Um, so that's a good place for that. But then also, I mean, that's why I think, you know, YouTube yoga classes are awesome or whatever. Those online pre-recorded, wherever you find that are great. But every once in a while, you're going to need some live connection, whether that be like via Zoom or in person, um, whatever works better in your life for whatever reason, I think having that accountability, that connection, that care, the, the people that are going to miss you when you don't show up. Um, and it, it might take some time to do that. Like, so this is something I'm conscious of as a yoga teacher. I try to learn the names of the people that come to my classes, but every once in a while, I just I just can't. I And I remember being the person going to a yoga class and I was like, I didn't always feel welcomed because I'm a super introvert and I'm not going to go up 
and introduce myself to the teacher, I'll try to like fly under the radar. And then sometimes I would find myself being like upset that I didn't feel part of the community as much. I was like, nobody knows my name. And I was like, it's because I come in uh, and I don't talk to anybody and I scoot out as soon as class is over. And I'm also part of that, not fostering that connection, right? So then I think of this as a yoga teacher. I try to foster connection with people, but sometimes it's not possible for me on the first or even second time somebody comes to my class. So this is all to say, like, it takes some intentional building of your community. And part of that is letting go of relationships that don't serve you, right? Um, But I don't say that lightly. Because I think sometimes you're going to have to serve in the relationship, right? So it's all a balance. And that's why, for me, is why I practice yoga and meditation and astrology to help me gain a little bit more of an objective insight to my own life, um, kind of becoming the observer of my life um, in meditation or astrology. studying astrology. Um, it helps me kind of step outside of my emotions um which there's a time and a place for that we don't always want to be objective to our emotions I've done a whole episode about that about how you have to feel your emotions you got to feel it to heal it right so please don't take any of this stuff out of context um but it does help to to kind of see like okay am I being unreasonable here when I'm like oh this relationship is not serving me um it's like is it is it draining you? Is a relationship overall, does it feel like it's draining you? And it's not to say it needs to serve you all the time because that's just not realistic. Um, you know, people have their own stuff, whether that be your intimate partner or your best friend or whatever. Everybody has their own stuff. So you can't, like, be upset at somebody because they're distant for a little bit. I mean, I guess you could, if if you were like counting on them and they knew that, then that's when you're like, hey, like I was counting on you and accountability, right? So I guess I'm just saying that you have to balance uh, letting go of relationships that don't serve you with making sure that you're not being the taker in that relationship, you know? I, you know, some things are over simplifications and, and this could be too... But to say that they're like givers and takers in relationship, um, and we just all should strive to be a giver. And I say that with the utmost, like, I'm not trying to tell anybody they need to give more because I myself have struggled with codependency, the like giving of myself to, until I lose myself and my own only identity is that relationship. That's something I've struggled with throughout my life. So this is all like, I'm trying not to oversimplify it. I hope y'all are getting my drift with uh, creating a village that really serves your higher purpose, but also making sure you continue to be a servant to that village too. So I guess with that also, I haven't brought this up, comes like not being afraid, or I haven't said it in this way, um, not being afraid to ask for connection when you need it. So that's like, you know, when I go to the yoga classes and I'm feeling upset that nobody uh, speaks to me because I'm a little introvert and I only speak when spoken to most of the time. (laughs) Um, so it's just a practice. And I remember I used to always say when I waited tables, it helped me with being a little more outgoing 
because uh, I had to be, but it's just that professional environment, it changes the dynamic. But um, yeah, so it's like, learn. maybe your quest is to learn to reach out when you need it and not feel like a burden on your loved ones. Because I imagine if they are, for whatever reason, in your head as a loved one, they don't mind if you reach out to them when you need something. But you could always preface it like, I do this with my friends sometimes. I'm like, hey, can I vent right now? Or like, hey, can I ask you for some support and whatever, you know, and most of the time they'll tell me if it's not a good time. I hope, you know, or they just won't reply if they're busy. They'll get back to me when they can. Right. So this is the kind of relationships that we want to cultivate in our life. Um, You know, so it takes a village to raise a kid. And this is that's been a tough thing for me, too, to like create a village of other parents Actually, you know, and now I have a pretty good network of parents of kids who have, they have a kid around the same age as my kid. And we'll even sometimes ask them to, we'll trade off childcare, which is like fantastic. And I just, it's been a journey for me personally to feel comfortable asking people for stuff, right? But then I give that back to them. So that's, I think, the thing is you cultivate this village around yourself and it doesn't have to be your traditional family. I'm just personally like blessed that my traditional family, at least like my mom and my mother-in-law and my granddad and my brother. Um, so I have some people in my traditional family that I'm really close with, really tight knit with. Um, but then as you become an adult, you kind of have this opportunity to maybe your traditional family is not so healthy. Um, but you have this opportunity to nurture connections with, with people that are, healthy for you and the life that you want to identify with and the life that you want to create. And it's just a constant process of evaluating who is serving that higher purpose. And then when, when you do um, come to them for support or, uh, you know, they'll be your cheerleaders, all this stuff, they'll support you in ways that are surprising, I think, at least for me, because I'm, I've spent a lot of my life like being the giver and never asking anybody for anything, um, at least in my, like, personal, especially in romantic relationships um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, support system is vital to building the life you want because they'll be there when you need something. They'll surprise you in unexpected ways. Um, I find this in my life a lot. Um people that I've kind of nurtured connections with when they, you know, you know, you've like really nurtured a friendship. Well, when, when those people start reaching out to you cause they thought of you, you know? And so that comes with the caveat of like, be that person for them too, right? To have a friend, you have to be a friend, right? We're at the summary portion now. So my point is to bring something into existence, whether that be a child or a big project or the, the life of your dreams, you, you can't do it by yourself. And that is on a big scale illustrated by like the supply chain. Just think about it. I mean, look around you at how much stuff you have just sitting in your vicinity that you didn't produce from scratch, right? You relied on other people to acquire those things. Nobody is like truly self-made. Um, it, and yes, you can be self-made in the respect that you have to do a lot of work by yourself. I mean, I'm sensitive to that. I'm here trying to do this entrepreneurial thing. I'm trying to build this like yoga and astrology business up from the ground. 
right? Um, but I re- rely on so much support from whether that be like just emotional support or actual kind of like financial support or um, idea support, whatever it is. Um, I get support in a lot of ways from a lot of people, and I suspect that you do too. So that's just what I'm saying is kind of look at that. Look at look at your network. Look at how you're showing up for them. Look at how they're showing up for you. And this is a constant thing, you, a constant course correct. That's why I'm such a huge advocate of studying yoga, astrology, and Ayurveda because they help on the constant course correct that is manifesting the life of our dreams, right? That's kind of what we're here to do is live the life that we want to live. And part of that, this just piece that we're talking about today is looking at how you show up for other people and how other people show up for you and trying to make that match in a way that's supportive for you both, right? So I hope all that's helpful. I hope it resonates. And again, if you do want to join a community related to yoga and astrology, I do have a Facebook group. Right now it's it's pretty new, but uh, we have some great members in there already to talk about this kind of stuff in more depth. So please join us over there. And then also today is June 30th and I'm starting sending out an email list of upcoming transits. So July's transit report, astrological weather report, July forecast is coming out today. So if you're not already on my email list, go sign up right now so you can get that. If you sign up and it's already gone out and you don't get it for whatever reason, you should get it. But if you don't, uh, just reach out to me in a like a message on Facebook or Instagram or email me. You can find all that stuff in the show notes. Um, email rosemary at yogiscopes.com or just go to yogiscopes.com or find me on Instagram at any of those Instagram or Facebook, Yogiscopes, across the board, Y-O-G-I-S-C-O-P-E-S. I hope to connect with you soon. Remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Talk to you next time. <laughs>